Hi, I'm Bethany Godso, the Associate Vice President for Career and Leadership Development at the NYU Wasserman Center, and this is All in a Day's Work, the podcast we've created for you. The NYU network is expansive, and each member of our community has an array of unique experiences. All in a Day's Work will bring you episodes featuring members of the NYU community doing interesting work and navigating the professional world. We're excited to share their stories with you. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Sarah Rosenthal, your host for today's episode of All in a Day's Work. I'm sitting down today with Lisa Setion. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I was wondering if you could start off just by telling me a little bit about what you studied at NYU and what you've been doing since you finished your degree. So at NYU, I studied broadcast journalism. Uh, I was in the Reporting the Nation and uh, Reporting in New York program. And I graduated in 2017. And ever since I graduated, I worked at ABC News as an AP, Associate Producer, for a year. I was under the OPT visa. And then I went back home and I freelanced for a few news channels back home. And I got offered a position at a friend's television news channel here in Washington, D.C. as a producer. So you initially moved to the United States from France to attend university. And you mentioned being on OPT after graduating from NYU. What was one of the biggest challenges for you being an international student? So I think the biggest challenge for me being an international student was the language barrier. Because before coming here, I was not fluent in English. So it took me a semester to actually adjust and to and being able to understand my professors in class and uh, the students. And also the cultural shock, because that was a completely different culture for me. So it took me, I would say, a year to kind of adjust to all of those changes. I can imagine that coming to a new culture, a new country would be a challenge for sure. I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit on your interest in broadcast journalism. How did you come to this interest? So at first, I was very interested in print journalism. That's what I wanted to focus on at first. And my interest in broadcast journalism came when I saw that there was actually a lot of diversity on the screen. So when I was back home, I would only see uh, white people on TV. So I just thought that broadcast journalism was a field that was not meant to be for me. And then when I came to the United States to study and I started watching CNN, NBC, ABC, I realized that there was a lot of diversity, a lot of people of color, a lot of people looked like me. And so I was like, maybe if they manage to get on the screen, if they manage to work in this field, maybe that's something that I could be doing. And so I switched my major to broadcast instead of print. And I just decided that I would try to make it in this field. So as you were making this transition from print journalism to broadcast journalism, you started to get different professional experiences in the industry. Tell me a little bit about some of the internships that you had and and what you learned from those positions. I did an internship at New York One. I had an internship at the United Nations, ABC News. What I've learned from those internships is that you really have to 
make your bosses aware that you're here. You have to really ask them to do more things, to see more things, to go in the field with them, to try new things. You have to show them interest, like you're interested in what you're doing. When you leave the workplace, you have to make sure that they know who you are. You shouldn't be shy. You really have to show them that you're very interested and that you want to do something in this field and you're here to actually improve. For someone in the NYU community who might be looking for an internship, what kinds of resources did you find most useful in your internship search? So I think NYU has been uh, very helpful in my internship search. I know that I was going to Sylvan Soloway a lot and Craig Barbosa. I don't know if they're still here, but they've been super helpful with me. I remember that at the beginning of each semester and also throughout the semester, they come to your class and they make the students aware that we can come anytime to ask for internship advice or to revise the cover letter. Every semester they have like a internship forum where a lot of um, news outlet come to NYU and they talk about what they do and they give us their cards and then you just have to apply on your own. I think NYU is doing a great job at making the students aware of what's available around us and then you just have to apply. So I would say apply as soon as you can and get as much internships and work experience as you can and once you are done studying you will have so many opportunities. Well, I'm sure that if Sylvan and Craig end up listening to this episode, they will really appreciate hearing that they've been wonderful colleagues for us at the Wasserman Center. Right now, because of so many things being held virtually, social media and technology have been so important for the way that students and alumni all gain different kinds of professional development experiences. Did you have the opportunity to leverage any presence you had on social media to get positions or or to get ahead in the field of journalism? So actually, I was not very present on social media until I got my last position. I was not aware that it could play such a big role in being hired, also to make people know more about you. What I'm aware of now that I have this job is that you really, really have to be super present, especially on Twitter, as it has kind of become the most important social media platform. Like a lot of news channels go on Twitter to find interns, but also to find new employees. So you really have to keep up with the news, tweet as much as you can, uh, react to some of the, the tweets that you see online post some of the content that you've been producing or working on so they can also see some of the work you've been doing. What are the challenges about maintaining this social media presence? Ever since I arrived at my new position, we've seen that we've gained, I think, 2,000 followers on our Twitter and we've gained so many followers on Instagram as well. And so what I realized is that you have to be consistent. You have to keep posting things. You have to make viewers want to look at your page. They should think, oh, if I don't know any information, I know I can find it on this platform. So you really have to be consistent and post every day. And so this is great, but this is also one of the most challenging aspects of using social media is that it can be tiring, it can be annoying. 
you can have some slow days, but uh, you just have to keep doing it. This is what I keep saying to my interns is that you don't have to just post about politics. You, you can also post about random things, light news. You just have to find some fun stories, but just you just have to keep posting every day. After you graduated from NYU, I know you mentioned you worked here in the U.S. for a time, and then you returned to France to work as a freelancer. What was one of the most rewarding aspects of that time? So I went back to France after working at ABC for a year. I think what was the most rewarding aspect of that time was I actually learned a lot about freelancing which is something I was not fully comfortable with. I was kind of scared because you're not hired somewhere. You're, you don't have a full-time position. And so you don't know what's going to come next or if you're going to have a shift the next day. But it was super rewarding for me because it gave me the opportunity to work for a lot of different news outlets back home and thus to see how every news outlet works. So it enabled me to see what I wanted to work on, who I wanted to work for, and if freelancing was something that I wanted to pursue in the long term. So you mentioned a little bit already about the challenge being that you're, you're not actually hired by the company. Would you say there's a more challenging aspect of being a full-time freelancer in France? So I think it's it's just very challenging in the sense that uh, you feel like you cannot say no. You always have to tell them yes, no matter what time they ask you. If you, let's say you're shopping with a friend outside and you get a call, you feel like you just have to drop everything and just go to work because by saying no, you put yourself at a risk of them never calling you back. So you're kind of in a position where you're stuck and they can fire you whenever they want to if you're not available. And they can just find someone else who is looking for a job. So it's kind of a position that's tricky, I'd say. We'll be right back to our episode after this quick tip from Miriam Miller. One of the best resources that I find for networking and probably one of the most underutilized is the LinkedIn Alumni Finder. It allows people just through the standard free account on LinkedIn to access their university page and any other university that they've attended. And basically what it allows them to do is find people who are often going to be really helpful for them when it comes to things like informational interviews. So someone can go into their university page, click on alumni, and then from there, they get access to all the alumni from the institution who have active profiles. So you can sort people by where they live, where they work, what they do, what they've studied, what they're skilled at, how you're connected to them. And then you can also do a keyword search. So it's a really nice way to identify some students or alumni who are doing work that's really similar to the work that you want to do, and then hopefully connect with them in that way. So I very much encourage everyone to check out the LinkedIn Alumni Finder if they haven't already used it. And now, back to the episode. How did you know when it was time for you to return to the United States for a full-time position? So I got very lucky because I wanted to stop freelancing around uh, December 2019. Freelancing was not the the only reason why I wanted to. It's also because when I went back to France, I saw that there was a huge lack of diversity in the newsroom. 
I told my parents, I just feel like I don't really fit here. The lack of diversity kind of prevented me from talking a lot and uh, to pitch some story ideas because I felt like I just couldn't and that they were not listening to me. So I just felt like after a year freelancing, I just felt like I needed to just go back to the US where I felt more comfortable in the newsroom. Luckily, I got offered a position from uh, France Television a few weeks after deciding that I wanted to stop freelancing. And so I had a few interviews and then I just flew back to the U.S. in January. So you moved back to the States at the beginning of 2020. What has it been like for you since the pandemic started actually impacting the way that we work in person? So when the pandemic started, so back in March, we actually switched to telework. And so I was not going to work anymore. I had to stay at home and work from here, which was very weird because I came and I didn't know a lot of people and I didn't even know my colleagues very well yet. And so by staying home, I just stopped seeing everyone. I just uh, had to live by myself and learn how to adjust again. So it's been very tough. And I also felt like I ended up working way more than when I was going to work because there was no time when you could have a lunch break with your colleagues. My boss felt like she could just text us anytime because we were home. So for her, home meant, oh, they don't really have to take a break because they're already home. So I felt like there was no time for work and no time for rest. You could get a, a text or an email at any time. So I started my work day at 7 a.m. sometimes and I would finish at 10 p.m. So I was actually excited when she told us that we would be going back to the workplace. So what does your actual day-to-day look like as a producer in a broadcast news company? The day usually starts with my boss sending an email to all of us telling us what the day is going to look like, what are the stories that we need to cover. And then starting from there, you have to find uh, information on what she's looking for. You have to find people to interview. You have to find places. You start looking when you're already at home. You start gathering information. And then as soon as you get to work, you give her all of the information that you have. You do an update of what you found so far, and you just keep looking at work. So as a producer at my company, you're also in charge of the interns. And so you work with them. You help them post things on the social media. So you have to find story ideas that could be interesting for the viewers. You check their tweets. You work with them in, at the same time as you work with the correspondents. So this is one part of the job that we have. The other part is the long-term stories that we're working on. So let's say we're in... January and we have stories to cover for March you have to keep working on that because there is a deadline so you have to keep looking for people to interview places to go to and you have to kind of create a map of places where the boss is going to be going for a week it definitely sounds like being flexible and adaptable scheduling and and working lots of unusual hours yes you have to be uh, very flexible You have to make yourself available. Whenever your boss needs something, you have to say, yes, I'm doing it. Yes, I'm on it. You always have to be one step ahead of your boss. 
she shouldn't even ask you the question. You should always, you should already have the answer. Basically, you kind of have to be the babysitter of the correspondent. How have you handled the stress of working while being so far away from your family? It's been very tough because I was not expecting this at all when I came back in January. But I was used to living on my own. What was different is that this time I had no other choice than actually staying in the U.S. So I felt like I was kind of stuck. It was kind of uncomfortable, but I also knew that I had to deal with it. And I also felt very lucky when I saw all of the people who had lost their jobs because of the pandemic. I thought, how can you complain about the position that you're in when you still have a job, you still have a roof and you're actually fine. So I just dealt with it in a way. I do hope that it won't be too long before you can be in the same physical space as your loved ones. Thank you so much. I hope so, too. I imagine that during such an unusual election cycle, it must have been so interesting covering the news during this past uh, U.S. election. Yes, it's been very exciting. It's been uh, very stressful sometimes because we've had to go to some protests with the Proud Boys, for example. And I was not always comfortable as a black uh, woman, but I also felt like it was important for me to be there and to kind of understand what a mindset is like. It was a very interesting time. I'm happy to see that now we have a black woman in the White House. I think it's very important for a lot of minorities, especially young girls, It's very important for them to realize that now we can do it and we can actually be successful and end up at the White House. So you mentioned the experience with diversity in the workplace and how that looked different in different countries that you've worked in. How would it impact your experience in the workplace to have more diversity in entertainment and media? When you see people who look like you in the workplace, you just feel more comfortable raising your voice. You just feel like people are going to be behind you and support what you have to say. When I went back to France, I was very often the only person of color in the newsroom. And so when I would talk about some specific topics, no one was behind me to say, oh, that's a good idea, because they were not seeing it the same way I was seeing certain things. Right. I feel like people often talk about how representation matters. uh, And a lot of that time, that's just in who you see in front of the camera. But it's really about the entire workplace, everybody who's also behind the scenes. Exactly. And it also goes with the stories that you're going to cover. Because when you have a workplace with only one type of people, like one race, you're only going to cover stories that are going to interest one race. And once in a while, you're going to cover a story about another race, but it's not going to represent them in a good way, I would say. And so me being in the newsroom here, I talk about that with my boss a lot. And I'm like, we have to talk about minorities actually succeeding. Do you have any last advice for people who might be interested in getting into journalism, specifically broadcast journalism? So I would say, especially if there are any French people listening, I would say don't give up and don't listen to all of the people who say this is a tough field. 
as long as you work hard for what you want and you have internships, you're going to find something. Because there's so many opportunities in this field that people are not even aware of that if you give up, you're never going to be able to see it. So you just have to keep working for what you want, keep applying to internships, do as many internships as you want, as you can, but don't give up because this is a great field and this is so important to keep telling people what's going on in the world. And if we're not doing it, who is going to be doing it? I'm going to talk to the people of color who are still hesitant about joining this field. You really have to keep doing it because... We need more voices and we need more voices of color. We need so much diversity in this field. We cannot just talk about one specific race. We have to talk about all of the other people. And it's just so important. So don't give up. I love that. And I think that's such a great note to go out on. Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for having me. If you want to learn more about the services that are offered at the Wasserman Center, you can log onto our career portal, Handshake, through your NYU homepage. Today's episode was hosted by Sarah Rosenthal, with episode guest, Lisa Setion. We're produced by Miriam Miller and Lily Smith, edited by Lily Smith, and created with support from Nia Beresford, Danielle Crystal, Dana Rosa, Haley Garafalo, Diana Mendez, Joseph Mercadante, and Carrie Pannoni. That's all in a day's work. Thanks for listening.